really grateful to have you with us today as we dig into this topic of what does it look like to be sent people. And to those of you who are engaging uh, in our online community, really glad to have you with us. Uh, Lorraine Correctional, you guys, look forward to being with you in a few weeks and uh, just continue to be encouraged by the way you're growing and reaching out. So you might know that about half of our church family is online and about half is here. It's almost divided down the middle. So I got a, a text from someone just a, a few moments uh, you know, ago and they said this. They said, it was, this is a person from Grace who's serving in West Africa and uh, they're new to their country and they say this. It was so special. Um, well, let me get back to the right place. Pulled up the 9 a.m. service on my phone as I was driving onto my street after my worship service that is 95% in a language I don't yet understand. As I'm parking my car, uh, not watching the service but listening to Grace, uh, suddenly I recognized Emmanuel's voice. Emmanuel is one of the drums who read uh, in his uh, native tongue in Bambara, and she said, I'm hearing Isaiah being read in Bambara. It moved me to tears as I walked through the sand to my house and listened to scripture in my first African language. It was so special, I turned on the service at just that moment. Isn't that God good? I uh, just thought, you know, you might have been wondering, that was in Bambara, the uh, 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 language in uh, Mali, West Africa, and uh, just so grateful for how God is at work in different places around the world. And for those of you online, some of you engaging from different countries, uh, really glad to have you uh, with us today. Quick review of our series so far. In week number one, we saw how all of us who put our trust in the Lord, like Joseph, have been sent by the Lord uh, to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our cell block, uh, to our schools, wherever you go, even places you don't really want to be. We made this statement last week. We said, your current context and circumstances are not mistakes. Maybe even the way you got there, you're like, well, I'm sort of responsible. God can take every chapter of your life and weave it together to accomplish his purposes. He's the great author of stories, and when you trust in him, there's gonna be a good ending. That's his promise. We're sent, and he finishes the story. Week number two, we recognize that we're sent by Jesus as hope dealers. Guy wrote me a few days ago, and he said, Jonathan, I need to tell you my story, and I hope you get to hear it at some point, maybe in a video story, but he said, um, I want to tell you my story. He said, you mentioned about we have hope, we're people of hope. He said, years ago, he says, I was a dope dealer, and Jesus saved me, and now I'm a hope dealer. And I thought, that's awesome. He said, from dope dealer to hope dealer, that's the story of my life, and, and it can be the story for all of our lives. Maybe not the dope part, uh, but it was for my wife Mary for years up until... <laughs> Last summer, but uh, <laughs> stick to your notes, Jonathan, stick to your notes. You and I get to be on mission with Jesus. He's always at work. So many ways that that happens. Let me just uh, share a couple of those for starts, and then how can God do this through you and through me? Newcomer to her church told me how she was hesitant to come from the parking lot inside. That's the story we hear from a lot of people. They're like, I'm sitting out there, I'm like really scared to go in, you know. What if I go in and they ask me to do something weird and I don't know anybody and I hear that bald pastor is a scary guy, you know, and everything, and, and uh, you gotta watch out for him. And, and so she said, I'm sitting out in my car, first time at Grace, and I, I wanna just, I, I feel this hunger for God in my life, and so I'm just sitting there going, if I just knew somebody, if I just knew somebody, she's got to look up, 
And there's this familiar face walking by. Like, that's the woman I know because our kids are in elementary school together. And, and I know her, so she gets out and goes, hey, hey, Sue. And Sue's like, no way, you're a grace. And so they end up walking in together. And she said it was exactly what I needed for God to, he puts someone right there. It's a divine appointment, right? Don't you think God just loves to do stuff like that? He's like, okay, I see this person I really care about right here. And I see this person in need over here, and I'm going to create something here that is going to just show my kindness to this person. My wife, Mary, has a number of stories like this. I'll share just one. A couple of years ago, she felt prompted one morning during her time with the Lord. She's reading her Bible. She's praying, and she feels prompted to, to, to reach out to this person that she hadn't seen in like a year. And she's like, wow, I haven't thought about her like much, you know, and I just, but okay, Lord, you put her in my heart today, and so Mary texts her and says, I just want you to know that God put you in my heart this morning. I'm not sure why, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you today. And she texted her a scripture. The woman writes back and says, I cannot believe you got in touch with me of all days today. She goes, in an hour, I'm leaving for court, I'm leaving for court and my divorce is going to be finalized. And she said, I was just feeling like, does, like wondering, God, do you even... See, you see me. And she said, your text came at the perfect time to know that God hasn't forgotten me. Divine appointment, right? Listening to his whispers and saying, God, is there someone today that as I go through the course of my everyday routines that you want to touch through my life? Mary, by the way, had no idea that this person's marriage was even ending. But who did? The Spirit of God did, right? And so he, he loves to just arrange things in a way that just accomplish his plans. I believe that the Lord wants to do that so much more, don't you? That we're on mission with Jesus, we're his hands and his feet. It says, Jesus says in John chapter 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am what? I'm sending you. That's like in the present tense. Like God is sending, if you're one of his followers, he wants to send you this week into different places to say, I have a mission, an adventure for you. If you'll be my representative, I want to touch the lives of people around you. Friends, God is always at work even when we can't see it. And he loves the people around us. Listen to this. He loves the people around you and around me even more than we do, Right? 1 Timothy chapter 2, we hear his heart. It says this about God. It says that he wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So it brings God so much joy when we listen to his whispers and are available for his purposes. In his sovereign plan, he arranges divine appointments. Let me just read a definition of that. You'll see this on the screen. Relational encounters arranged by God in order to accomplish his purposes in a person's life. Divine appointments. Many of you have experienced that. I wish we had time for a bunch more stories, but don't you want to see God do that through you? Do you say, man, God, I want, I want to be available to you. I want you to whisper to me. I want to hear your voice. I want to be available to you that you can, I get to participate with you and impact people that you love. So here's the question. What's the prerequisite for that to happen? Like, what kind of life do I need to be living that I can hear the whispers of the Spirit and, and be on mission with him, that, that we can have divine appointments in our, in our lives? I'd like us to see just one of many examples of divine appointments that are recorded in the Bible. We're going to see how this person was able to 
experience God working like that. And then we're going to see a couple principles you and I can grab a hold of so that uh, we can see the same thing happening in our lives, okay? Is this something you want in your life? I believe it is. And, and I want us to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 8 or in your Bible app. And hopefully you got some notes on the way in or those of you engaging online, if you want to just uh, go to our website, you'll see the bulletin there and there are notes that are part of that online bulletin. So the setting is about A.D. 35 here in Acts chapter 8, and the church recently born is growing rapidly. Uh, people are experiencing Jesus, there his forgiveness, his power to change lives, but it's not an easy time to be a Christian. There's a lot of persecution. And one of the early believers is a man named Philip. He's a guy who really loves Jesus, has been transformed by him, and he wants to tell others about, about Jesus. So let's pick up the account in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says this. Those who had been scattered because of persecution preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, a place you can still visit today, and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So let's pause there a second. Philip is so convinced of who Jesus is, so convinced that Jesus can restore and forgive people that he risks his life telling others, like it's news that's too good not to share. But while he's here in Samaria, the Lord makes it clear that it's time for Philip. He goes, Philip, I have another mission for you. And, and listen to what he says here in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. If you look at the screen, it's, it's, that's, that's exactly where it is today. That's the road to Gaza, sort of a lonely kind of place. No explanation why. God just says, I want you, I want you to go there. He whispers to Philip. Now on this next map, you're gonna see where, that, uh, where Philip traveled, heading south from Samaria to Egypt, uh, the desert road to Gaza. Again, these are real places, real people. And again, Philip has no idea why he's supposed to head down toward Egypt, uh, but there must be someone that God wants him to touch and, uh, and, to, and to move in. And so that's what the Lord does, right? Sometimes he tells you where to go, what to do, but he doesn't tell you the whole story. He just says, I want you to text this person. I want you to be in touch. I want you to go across the room and I want you to just add. And he doesn't tell you exactly why. And that's what happens to Philip here. So he's walking along the road when he hears this rumble behind him and he looks back and there's this amazing Rolls Royce. Not, not really, but it was a first century version of a Rolls Royce. It was this really amazing chariot that had these thoroughbred horses. And Philip sees this guy and he knows this guy must be a VIP and he finds out that this guy is a high up government official, one of the economic superpowers of the day from Ethiopia. In fact, this guy is the chief of the treasury, the secretary of the treasury, is the chief economic advisor to the queen of, of Egypt. And the Holy Spirit gives Philip a prompt in verse 29. Here's what it says. The Spirit says, go over and walk beside the carriage. Like, don't lose this guy. So Philip speeds up a bit, Acts 8, verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, the man replied, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. You think Philip's maybe getting an idea at this point, like, okay, God, now I, now I see what you're up to. And the scripture the guy's reading at that very moment, none other than Isaiah 53. Now, if you know the book of Isaiah, you know that Isaiah 53 is probably the most clear, prophetic word about a coming Messiah. Like, we, we sing songs from Isaiah 53. It's, it's quoted in the New Testament on numerous occasions. 
And it talks all about this one, the Lamb of God will take away the sin of the world, you know. And, and, and so he's reading that very passage, divine appointment, right? Philip just asks a question. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And his high official says in verse 34, he says, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip says, okay, Lord, this could not be any more of a clear open door, right? And then he began with that very passage of scripture and told this VIP the good news about Jesus. I love it when God does stuff like that, don't you? You just opens doors and you say, God, I, I don't really know why you were doing this and why you had me in this place. And, but you go, I know now that it was more than coincidence. I mean, think of what happens in this situation. It just so happens that Philip is sent on the same road at the same time as this guy's chariot, like he, it's perfect timing. Just so happens that this government higher up is reading the Bible when Philip comes alongside his chariot. Just so happens that he's reading Isaiah 53 at the moment that Philip approaches him. And just so happens that he has a spiritual hunger to know more. Don't you think God just loves to do stuff like that? You can read times in the Bible where you're like, wow, God just loves to do divine appointments, like Ruth showing up in the field of a distant relative named Boaz, who would become her husband, or Mordecai's parade led by none other than Haman. You mean you just go on and on, just God saying, it's like he's in the control tower of the universe going, all right, let me, let me do this one right here. I see this person here and this person, and, and he just winds their stories together. Divine appointments, right? Let me just read how the story here ends. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. By the way, this is evidence right here that when you put your trust in Jesus, you don't have to wait for like, you know, a year of maturing or something like that. That's meant to be baptism is your initial like declaration of faith. Now, if you've waited like 20 years, still good to get baptized. But you don't have to be like, I need to grow like for you know, five years as a Christian before I take that step. And it says this, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Divine appointment. Relational encounter arranged by God in order to accomplish his purposes in a person's life. Now, our divine appointments are not always going to wind up with the baptism, right? But I'm convinced that the spirit of Jesus still wants to lead like this in your life and in my life today. You believe that? I mean, Hebrews chapter 13 says this. It says, Jesus Christ is the same for, for how long? Yesterday and today and forever. So what he did yesterday, he loves to do today. The way he led Philip, he wants to lead today. The way he whispered, he wants to whisper today. That God is on the move, still working and prompting and leading us. Here's the part for us. Here's the question. How do you and I create an environment so that we can experience the whispers of God like that? Like, is there a prerequisite? I want to turn back two chapters to the book of, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, and they're choosing leaders in the church to bless the widows among them, the poor, and to deal with some of the practical distribution of food issues. And listen to the qualifications that they have for leadership here. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. It says this. Just read a portion. They say, choose from among you those who are known to be what? Full of the Spirit and wisdom. Full of the Spirit. 
And then whose name is one of the names that you see included there? Philip, right? This is a guy full of the Spirit. There's something here that's basic to the life and experience of every believer, and especially those who want to hear the whispers of God. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, in me, the moment that we put our trust in Jesus. We have all of him. But to be full of the Spirit, someone has said this way, that means he is all of you. Like you're, you're surrendered. You're like, Lord, you're, you're the one. My relationship with you is the center of my life. I'm on mission with you. Where you tell me to go, I'll go. Where you tell me to stay, I'll stay. Lord, when you want me to speak, I'll speak. Lord, I, I, I want to follow you and follow your word. And, and so if you're a follower of Jesus, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus lives in you and wants to guide you and encourage you and strengthen you. That's what happened to Philip. If you look back at Acts chapter 8, it says in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. It means God's speaking to him, leading him. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. You go, how did he speak to him? Was it audible? I don't know. Was it like an impression like Philip? I, he just had a sense of, I, I know what God wants me to do here. Was it sort of a prompt? Was it a whisper? I'll tell you, my life is generally not audible. I, I, I don't hear God speak audibly to me. But do I sense at times that I just go, wow, God, I, there's no question that you, you've put this person on my, on my heart. Let me get to that in a second, but here's, here's where it begins. Knowing that the spirit of Jesus lives in us the moment we trust him, if you want to experience his whispers, invite the spirit of Jesus to lead in every area of your life. If you've experienced, uh, or if, if, you're, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, his spirit lives in you, my, my hunch is that you've experienced Holy Spirit promptings, even if you haven't called him that. You go, I don't really call it a whisper, but, but, um, but you felt prompted, like, I just, I feel like I need to text that person. Like, on, on mission for Jesus. Like, I need to send him a word of encouragement or a scripture. Or maybe you, you have a dream about someone. This happened to me, and I'm like, that wasn't just like a random dream. That was, there's something significant, and I, I'm gonna just reach out. I won't tell him, like, I'm dreaming about you. But I'll say, I'll say you know what? I just had you in my heart this morning and wanted to reach out. And it might be that God is prompting you to, to talk to a colleague, and you go, I just, I, I feel like they look and say, hey, is everything okay? You just seem like maybe you're, you've got a heavy heart or something, you know, and uh, just wonder if there's any way I can be praying for you, you know, or w whatever it is that, that you do. But in some way, you have this impression from the Spirit that you go, I've got I've to reach out to that person. I need to either write them a note, something, and it's, it's when we're staying close to Jesus and open to his leading, that he has that kind of freedom that when we take time with him, remember for Mary in that time in the, that she was just spending time with the Lord and he sort of said, hey Mary, like it's an impression. I want you to reach out to this person. I like how Paul puts it in 2 Timothy chapter two. He tells us the kind of people God uses. He says, if you keep yourself what? You guys wanna put that verse up there? If you keep yourself pure, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be, what's the next word? Ready for the master to use you for every good work. God wants to use you for every good work, but here's the deal. If you're not pure, then you're not going to be what? You're not gonna be ready and God's not gonna be able to use you for every good work. So it starts with having a heart, keeping short accounts with God and saying, God, I wanna be, be right with you. Would you cleanse me, Lord? 
Help me to walk in your ways. I want your spirit to so fill me that my life will just be an overflow of Jesus to the people around me. Let me tell a couple of stories to illustrate this. One positive, one negative. We had a friend recently who was at a a family gathering, a bunch of relatives that she hadn't seen in a while, and uh, our friend has experienced really a dramatic change in her life since she began to follow Jesus with with devotion. She's just fun, she's content, she's insightful, and she lives with a sense of purpose. I mean, I've witnessed that myself. She's just, she, she just, Jesus like is, shines through her. So she's at this gathering about 10 days ago, and there are some relatives there who have tons of money. I mean like gobs and gobs of money, and zero faith. And after they spent a couple of days together, one of the 20-somethings came up to uh, our friend and, and said, you know, I've noticed, I know some of your story, your background, and that with all you've been through, you've got like a sense of peace. Like you're centered. You're content. And then she said this st- comment. She said, I want to study you. What a comment. Someone says, I want to study your life. Another person came up and said, I'd like to ask you more about your faith. They were clearly intrigued, attracted. Why? Because the spirit of Jesus is at work in our friend's life. He shines through her. She's available. Divine appointments are going to come her way, right? It can go the other way, too. Mary and I were talking recently with a person who works at a restaurant as a server He's not a follower of Jesus. I just want to say that, but he's searching. And he has some stories to share about what it's like to serve in a restaurant. Probably any of you in the restaurant industry would say, yes, I can tell you some stories as well. So he's telling us about this one table uh, this, that he's waiting on recently. And this woman comes to, and she's seated at the table and she said, my friend is coming, but I'll take two waters uh, with lemon. And, um, and my friend's going to be here in a moment. So he comes back, you know, a couple minutes later, puts the two waters down, the other friend has shown up, and he says, hey, you guys ready to order? You want an appetizer? And the first woman says, "Uh, before we order, I'm going to let you take this water back and bring me one without lemon like I asked. He's like, I'm almost positive she said with lemon. But he looks down, and he sees on her forearm a big cross. You know what he told us? I mean, it was, it was he just noticed. I, Mary and I were like, we're praying for this guy. We want this guy to put his trust in Jesus. How effective is that woman gonna be in doing anything as an instrument for Jesus in his life? I mean, it's, it was a big zero, right? It's a big zero. Missed opportunity. Friends, when you and I have Jesus in our lives, when we invite his spirit to come and lead us in every area of life, you know what what that does? He wants to make me more like what? More like who? Like Jesus, right? So when the spirit of God, when I surrender my life to the spirit and just say, spirit of God, would you work in me? I become more loving. I become more peaceful. I become more joy-filled. I become more patient. I'm kinder. I'm more self-controlled in a restaurant. On a, Mary and I have this thing we're like, we, should, we need to walk around as though we have this sign on us that says, I represent Jesus. And wherever we go, like, you know, driving down the highway, hey, I know you just cut me off, I represent Jesus, okay? <laughs> you know, you're in a place, I was in a retail store 
a while back, and I thought I could, I'm, I'm at the counter, and there's a one person in front of me, I'm like, this is the place, and they're doing a return, and it's taken them like, it's like two and a half hours, it felt like. I'm like, I gotta get to the office, I thought I could squeeze this in. And, and when they're finally done, I wanted to almost say like, well, if you guys are still open, maybe I can, you know, or something like that. And the person looks up and goes, Pastor Jonathan, you know? And I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you for not letting me. I represent Jesus, I represent Jesus. Wherever you go, Spirit of God, would you come and fill me? Make me more like Jesus. That's the kind of people he uses. One more life lesson from Philip. Obey spirit prompts even when you don't have the full picture. Sometimes God will direct you to do something. It's never in contradiction to his word. I want to just clarify that. It'll never be contrary to his word. Uh, but sometimes you're not going to understand exactly, like, I don't know why I'm texting this person or reaching out to this colleague at work or talking to this neighbor or whatever, or going down to say hi to that elderly couple that I know live down the street or down the apartment hallway or whatever it may be, or guys at Lorraine Correctional, like reaching out to a new guy in your cell block, you're like, I don't even know the guy. But when you do that, you just say, Lord, I'm gonna take the first step that you're prompting me to take. And it's sort of like Philip. He's like, go down to the desert road? Like, can you give me a little more of a clue than that? God doesn't say like, when you get down there, I've got this VIP I want you to talk to. He just says, just go down to that road. I'll give you more directions when you get there. Hey, go up and go next to that chariot. And then get in the chariot, right? He just keeps on, and God, obey the prompts of the Spirit even when you don't have the full picture. Might start with the prayer even tomorrow where you just go, Lord, I'm not sure what you have in mind for me today, but I'm gonna trust you, and Lord, whatever you want to direct in my life, I wanna have ears, ears to hear your whispers, your prompts, it might not be anything spectacular. He says, I want you to take 77 down to you know, West Virginia or Florida or something. He might just say, no, when you head down the hallway today or when you're at the doctor's office or whatever it is that you just, you know, you're, he puts a person on your mind. He puts you in a place you didn't expect to be. He prompts you to show kindness to someone that's a stranger in the parking lot of Giant Eagle. Who knows what might happen when we follow through? Friends, Jesus is at work all around us. Do you believe that? I mean, he really is. And you and I get to be on this adventure, this mission with him. So get to know him better. Learn to listen to his voice. Take time to reflect and say, God, who do you want to reach out today through me? What do you want to do in my life today that will make it count? You've been sent Everywhere you go, you go, you're sent by him. I read about a survey in which people 95 years and older were asked what they'd do differently if they could live their lives over. Very revealing. The first thing they said uh, was, I would stop rooting for the Cleveland Browns and choose another team. <laughs> they didn't say that, uh, but they could have. They went deeper than I would go. You know, they, they you know, said three things. They said, first of all, I'd reflect more. I'd spend more time away from the daily grind. Just examine the direction, the meaning of my life. What if we did that? Just time reflecting and saying, Lord, as I read your word, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to make it count? 
I'd reflect more. Secondly, I'd risk more. Given another chance, they'd, they'd say they'd be more courageous about stepping out of their comfort zones, take bigger risks. Sometimes stepping into something, you go, I think God is maybe prompting me to do this. I don't know why, but I'm gonna do it. And you, and, and you do it, and then you see God work and show up. And even if you go like, I don't know, I said something to them, they didn't seem very interested, you still were obedient, right? And then third, you planted a seed. Third, you do more things that will outlive you. That's what they also said. That one hardly needs any comment. What things will outlive you that really will make a difference? That from heaven's perspective, you're gonna look back one day, you know, and you're gonna look back and say, man, I'm glad I, I'm glad I took that risk. I'm glad I reflected. I'm glad I, I did something with my life that counted for other people. I just didn't have my eyes on myself and what, you know, my own future and my own, you know, how I'm, no, I, God, you had me there for people around me. You put me in exactly the neighborhood you want me to be. You had me in the classroom you want to be in. You had me in the major. You had me in the workplace, the cubicle. The, you had me on the road. You had me in that waiting room. Wherever it is, God, you, you had me there in that moment because I was sent by you. Reflect more, risk more, do more things that outlive you here. What if tomorrow morning you woke up and just said, Lord, I'm all yours today. Use me however you want. Help me, as it says in Revelation 2, and three, it says, to every church, every group of believers, it says, whoever has an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. God, help my ear to be attentive to your voice. Are you in? Are you willing for God to use you in that way, to be on an adventure, a mission with him? He wants to do this in you and through you, to touch the lives of people around you. So as a declaration of our confidence, let's affirm together who goes with us and what we believe to be true. There's gonna be a little statement on the screen here. Would love for you to say this with me aloud. Let's say it together. You ready? I am not sent alone. The Holy Spirit is always with me. I go in his name and with his power. So Spirit of Jesus, we just invite you this week, today, to whisper to us, we want to be available for your purposes, Lord. And so we pray, would you cleanse us for starts, Lord? If there's anything that would block you from using us, rude words we've spoken, habits we have, Lord, angry reactions, whatever it may be, God, would you cleanse us? Make us pure instruments who are ready for your use, for every good work. Lord, that's what we want, to be on mission with you, so we just invite you, even this week, God, to do things through us that we'll see divine appointments that maybe aren't always super dramatic, but we'll look back, maybe in time, and say, that, that was God, that was God. So here we are, Lord, we feel our own weakness, we know our own failings, but you're a great God who's patient and forgiving. So have your way in us. Make it an impact through us, we pray. For the sake of your name and for the sake of people that you love so much all around us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.